be seated. Heavenly Father, we invite you to move freely among us here this morning. I ask you to move in me, speak your words, not mine. I pray that you'll open your word to us, that you'll reveal yourself to us, and through us, speak to our hearts and transform us. Allow us to be what you would have us be. As we look into the topic of the Bible this morning, allow us to understand it, to apply it to our lives, to live it out. We ask for your blessing, but we pray that you will be blessed in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Talking about the Bible, Martin Luther said, I search the Bible as a whole, like shaking the whole tree. I shake every limb, study book after book, and then I shake every branch, giving attention to the chapters. And then I shake every twig or a careful study of the paragraphs and sentences and the words and their meanings. You know, they, it's an old cliche, but the, you know, the Bible's a little bit like an onion. It's layer upon layer upon layer, and as you peel them back, you find more and more and more. All the parts... The big parts, the little parts, they all have to be considered together. Uh, since the Bible is God's word, or God's words to humanity, uh, we ought to spend time looking at it very closely to see what God has to say to us. And that's what we're going to do here today. We're on core value number two, believing the Bible. We're in a series on core values. Uh, core values are kind of like your operating system. They're in the deepest part of your heart. Every decision that you make, every relationship that you start, every behavior that you demonstrate, every path that you walk on, it, it comes out of the core values that you hold, those things that you most value, the things that are deepest. And let me ask you, what do you value? What do you value the most? Uh, if you say that such and such are your values in your life, but they don't really affect your life, then they aren't really your values. They're just ideas. Last week, we started with core value number one. We talked about experiencing God's love and grace, which was really about having a real relationship with God that we can only experience through salvation. Salvation comes as a gift from God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. His life paid the price for our sin so that we could be forgiven. Today we're focusing on core value number two, which is believing the Bible. We value the Bible. We value believing in the Bible, and this is what we say about it. We value the Bible as God's authoritative word. Study it together and build our lives on its truth. Now, to get a handle on this this morning, I want to spend some time in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You might get your Bible out and turn there with me this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 16 and 17. Some of you might even have this memorized. This is part of the instruction and teaching that the Apostle Paul gave to his disciple Timothy. Timothy was just starting out his own ministry. This is the first church that Timothy pastored. He pastored the church in Ephesus. And, and as he's getting out, 
uh, and getting started, Paul gives him some instructions. And here's what he said to him on this matter. He said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going to look at three things here this morning, uh, three things that I think will help to lead us to understand and accept that believing the Bible is really one of our core values. Uh, we want to look at three things this morning. Uh, I want to look at the divine origin of Scripture, the purpose of Scripture, and then the transformational power of Scripture. Paul says to Timothy that all Scripture is God breathed. God breathed, what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, let's go all the way back to Genesis for a moment, chapter 2, and we're told there that when God formed man, he breathed life into him. It says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Adam was just dirt until God breathed into him. The breath of God gave him life. And something from God, something of God, was imparted in that breath. Uh, the word for breath here is also translated as wind. And, uh, and something of God in this breath passed on to Adam, which also passes on to us in terms of being living beings. Well, then I want to jump ahead in time and, and jump ahead to the time right after Jesus was raised from the dead. And we have the disciples on that day. They're cowering in fear. They're hiding in a room. They've got the door locked. Uh, they're afraid that, you know, people are going to associate them with Jesus and they might come and they might do the same to them that they did to Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the room with them. And, and only a short time before, and we have it recorded in Matthew 28, Jesus had given this great commission about going out and taking the word to all nations. And, you know, and, and here he kind of reinforces the commission. And then he does something really special. It says, oops, let's go the other way. Nope, we're gone, guys, sorry. <laughs> Peace be with you, he said. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Now, up until that point, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised to send him, send the Holy Spirit, after he was gone. In fact, in Acts 1-8, you know, we have this great promise that you will be baptized with fire. Well, here, they get a little preview of what's to come. In private, with a select group of people, Jesus breathes on them and imparts the Holy Spirit. Let's jump again to Acts chapter 2. And it's no mistake, the wording here in Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit is accompanied by the sound of wind. It says, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, the word here 
the word for wind, is actually the same word as the word for breath. In fact, both the Hebrew word um, and the Greek word both mean breath or wind or breeze even. Well, we're experiencing here in the book of Acts in chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit, we're experiencing the breath of God again. God is imparting something special to his disciples, not just the 12 disciples, but the whole group of disciples who are gathered there in that upper room and they're all praying together. And God is imparting something of himself special to this group of people. And you know what happened, right? They were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out into the streets. They began to share the gospel of Jesus. Think about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a hard concept to get a hold of, but, but think about breathing. Thinking about filling, think about filling your, your lungs with air, drawing in that great breath. Now, think about it as breathing in, being filled with the Spirit, as breathing in the Spirit of God and filling your lungs or filling, being filled in yourself. And I know it's not the perfect analogy, but it does give us a, a sense of what God is doing when we're filled with the Spirit. When we're filled with the Spirit, God imparts something to us that changes us in some ways. We have a greater sensitivity to the Spirit. We have more power in our witness. We have a deeper ability to worship we have empowerment of the gift that God has given us, and God has given every single one of you a spiritual gift of some kind, maybe more than one, to be able to serve him and to reflect him and to work together with the body of Christ in order to spread the gospel of Christ. And, and God will use that filling of the Spirit to empower that gift. So we've looked at these things that talk about breath and God's breath. So, so now... I want you to think about what we're reading when we read that all Scripture is God-breathed. Because what's happened at every other point when we've seen about the breath of God being given? Something very special has happened, something's been imparted, something's been given. And, and so we know as we look at the Bible and the words of the Bible, when it says that the Bible is God-breathed, we're not just saying that these are the words that somebody wrote down, the words of men. They aren't something that were just dreamed up. The Bible isn't just like any other book. The words are inspired. They're imparted to and through the writers in a way that's unique because it comes from God himself. These words are God-breathed. Now, God didn't possess the writers and take them over and, and write the Bible that way through them. And didn't dictate the Bible word for word. But by the Holy Spirit, he inspired the writers to work in partnership with him and he guided them to record things. Like he recorded the history of God and his people together. He recorded the teachings that were given to the apostles and all the other writers so that God's will could be passed on. He used them to reveal himself, to reveal his character and his will and his plan for humanity. Understanding that Scripture is God-breathed reinforces 
its reliability. It helps us to believe that it's trustworthy, that it has the ability to guide and shape our lives, especially, well, you must be believers in order to be guided in this way. And it also keeps us from discarding the things that make us uncomfortable. You know, when we read Scripture, there are going to be things that we are uncomfortable with and some things that we read that we might even disagree with. But it's not the Scriptures that are wrong. It's us. When we don't agree with Scripture, we're the ones you have to change. When we understand the the Bible has its source in God, we realize that, oh, hey, it's, it's my responsibility to follow. I have to follow its principles and its teachings, and I have to conform myself to it. It doesn't have to conform to me. Well, that's not what we're seeing happening today, is it? I mean, there is an intense pressure from society to conform to what's popular, But if we conform to what's popular, we're forced to reject things that God teaches us. You know, we have to make a choice. We have to choose to follow God or follow the world. And sadly, too many people choose to reject God's word. God's words are the ultimate in truth because they come from God himself, right? Sometimes we behave as if truth is relative, Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. I'm okay. You're okay. But when I'm confronted with God's truth in his word, in the Holy Scriptures, sometimes I realize I'm not okay. I'm not okay just as I am. He loves me just as I am. He calls me just as I am. But if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I need to follow what he has revealed about himself And about his will for our lives. Reveals that in his word. You know, the words we find in the Bible, they're not just a product of human imagination or opinion. They are the words of God himself. And you know, as believers, we can have confidence that the Bible is trustworthy and reliable because it originates from the perfect and unchanging nature of our loving creator. Believing the Bible is one of our main values, one of our core values because of its origin. It is God-breathed. God gave it to us. Well, second, we value the Bible because of the purpose of Scripture. God gave us the Scripture for a reason. And Paul tells young Timothy, he says it's, it's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. The scriptures serve as a guide for our lives. The Bible provides us with a lot of very necessary instruction and correction so that we can align ourselves with God's will. Through the Bible, we learn about God's character. We learn about his plan for salvation. And we learn how to live in a way that honors him. It teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, and it trains. There is so much to learn from scriptures. Uh, I have learned, I learn something new almost every time I pick up the scripture, you know. Uh, have you ever had that experience? You know, the, you're reading a chapter and all of a sudden the text is illuminated. It just, just shines, right? And you say, oh, I've never seen that before. 
You might have read it 50 times before, but there it is. It's like it's jumping right off the page at you. Well, God is teaching you with his word. And, you know, sometimes God rebukes me with his words. You ever had that happen? You know, I'll be reading along, and, and then I'll realize that I'm way out of alignment with God. I, I don't know what your first car was like, but my first car, that I, it wasn't one that I owned. It was my dad's car, but I, it's the one I drove all the time, and the car I learned to drive on was an old Pontiac Parisienne built sometime in the mid-'60s, and its alignment was all messed up. And so as you go down the road, because the, the wheels were not pointing exactly where they were supposed to, you'd kind of have to overcompensate for that. A little bit of pressure on the steering wheel in the opposite direction, otherwise you'd end up in the ditch. It's a good way to wear out a good set of tires. They wear unevenly that way. And I got used to driving the car that way. It was the only car I'd driven, so it was the only one I knew how to drive. And then the very first time I, I sat in a newer car and drove a newer car that had really good steering and that all the alignment was right, I was overcompensating and I was all over the road because I'd learned to do it wrong. God's word sometimes says to me, You're out of alignment. Your wheels are not pointed the way I want you to go. And I feel rebuked by that. Convicted. His words speak to my conscience. And then he corrects me. You know, God doesn't rebuke you because he likes scolding people. He, he does it. He points out your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions to help correct you to help get you back on the road so you drive straight. He doesn't do it just so you'll follow him more closely, but he does it for that reason. But he also does it for your own safety. Things we can't see, he can see. You know, when we're reading and studying God's word, we are being trained in righteousness. And that part... I think becomes a great comfort to us as we, we learn, as we grow in righteousness, you know, we begin to operate out of righteousness. Uh, have you ever found yourself reflecting on God's word at a time when you were going through a real struggle? You had that happen? You know, God's training in righteousness reminds you of things that you, you've, you've learned through reading his word. You remember, oh, God loves me. You remember, oh, he, he's right here with me right now when I'm struggling. You remember that walking in his way is the right way. As you're reading God's word, you're being trained in righteousness. You're growing in righteousness. You're understanding what does it mean to live the right way before God. We've seen it in the scriptures, and so it naturally begins to come out in our lives. It's through the study and the application of scripture that we're able to navigate all these challenges that come, and, and we're able to grow in our relationship with God. The purpose of Scripture makes it one of our values. Well, the third thing this morning here is that we believe and we value the believing of the Bible because of its transforming power. The Bible has the power to transform our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17, 
Paul says that the Scripture equips us for every good work. Here we are again, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, as we immerse ourselves in the Word of God and we allow it to penetrate our minds and our, our hearts, we are transformed from the inside out. Scripture, it has the power to shape our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures enable us to live a life that is pleasing to God and ministers to others. Through the Bible, we are empowered to love sacrificially, to forgive wholeheartedly, to live with integrity, to reflect the character of Christ in all we do. We can learn all of those things right here in the Scripture. And that's why Paul says to young Pastor Timothy, he says, Pastor Timothy, preach the Word. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the Word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And he doesn't say to him, preach your opinions. doesn't say preach the latest polls at Ephesus. He doesn't say, oh, just stick to the easy stuff and avoid all the controversy. He says, preach the Word. Always and always be prepared to do it. In season or out of season, whether it's part of your official duties as a pastor or whether it happens, you know, when you're sort of off duty. Preach the word. Always be prepared to do that. And do it with patience and with careful instruction. Why? Because a different time is coming. A time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and they will turn to myths. Does that sound like the time we're living in? Pretty familiar, isn't it? It is so tempting to go looking for teachings that line up with our personal desires, with our political views, with our sexual preferences, rather than embracing God's truth in the Bible. As people, we become more focused on satisfying our own passions sometimes. And when we do that, we begin to reject sound teaching. And we begin to gravitate towards the things that can serve or, or that confirm our preconceived notions and beliefs. We can be led astray from the truth and we can be led into the realm of myths and falsehoods. I say we because I think we are far more vulnerable than we think. We are far more easily led astray than we would like to believe. 
You know, it's so easy to silo with people who only think and feel like we do, right? To read only books and listen to only the news that agrees with us. We have so many choices, so we can just choose the stuff that we agree with or agrees with us. And a lot of these places lead us away from God instead of towards God's truth. We need to be steadfast and true. And one way to do that, an important way, is to dig in and remain in God's word daily. Daily. To resist the stuff that tickles our ears. To prioritize God's word over our own desires. To prioritize God's word over what's comfortable over self-serving teachings. You know, I, I get it. This world we live in is uncomfortable and it's scary sometimes. And sometimes we might even feel a little trapped in it. You know, it's like, where do I turn? What do I turn to? But when you read the Bible, it's like looking through a window on eternity. You know, we spent all that time in Revelation. Why? So that we knew what was coming. We, we know the end of the book. We know the promise it gives us. We know what's happening if we remain faithful. And that warning was given over and over and over in the book of Revelation. It started at the beginning and it's continued at the end. Here's what's coming. If you remain faithful. You know, in our values, we don't value well, we do value owning Bibles, but it's not just in having a Bible. You can have a Bible and it can collect dust on the shelf for years and not have any effect at all. We value believing the Bible. We believe that it's God's authoritative word, that all authority is contained in it. We believe that you have to have not a passive belief, but an active belief. It requires a commitment to do something with it, to, to study and to build ourselves, our lives around its truth. The Bible comes from God, and it serves God's purposes in revealing him and in teaching his will. And it transforms us. When we read Scripture we are positioning ourselves to experience a deeper intimacy with God. And we're positioning ourselves to have a more meaningful and purposeful life. Under the Spirit's guidance, the truth of the Bible can shape us into the very image of Christ. Heavenly Father, we honor your word today. We know that sometimes we've neglected it and to our own peril. Your words sometimes slip away with our own desires. Your truth is lost when we seek to follow another truth. Lord, forgive us our sinful rejection of your words. Give us the diligence to study the Bible and the courage to stand fast when the world is choosing differently from what we know is your will. Strengthen us through learning it. Speak to us through it. May your word be a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. 
Breathe on us with your spirit and illuminate your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.